Around Hollywood, they call the project Disney's Folly. The newspapers might be willing to believe Walt Disney could do anything, but those within the industry were skeptical. Even Disney's wife and brother, Lillian and Roy, tried to talk him out of the project. But Walt was unshakable. His studio would produce the world's first full-length, cell-animated film, or go down trying. There was no pressing need for the experiment, only his own ambition. His creation of Mickey Mouse, for whom Disney himself did the early voice work, had been a major success, replacing Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which a former business partner had wrestled away, a betrayal that Disney never forgot, nor forgave. Disney Studios now turned out shorts for its Silly Symphonies series like Clockwork, many of them of extraordinarily high quality. In 1932, Disney had been the first to bring cutting-edge, three-strip Technicolor to the big screen, even signing a deal for three years of exclusive rights to the process. In 1933, his studio produced The Three Little Pigs, with its iconic song, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf? It was a runaway success, eventually becoming the most successful animated short film of all time. But like any true innovator, Disney was never satisfied to repeat his past successes. Now that his studio had mastered the animation short, he wanted to break new ground with an animated feature. Later, after his studio had become the undisputed king of the animated feature, Disney found himself restlessly turning to television, creating the runaway hits Davy Crockett and The Mickey Mouse Club. Having become a ratings champion in television, he turned his attention to real-life attractions, creating the world's most visited amusement parks. And so it went until his death. In 1934, however, these challenges and accomplishments still lay in the future. When Disney announced to the newspapers that his studio would be the first to put an animated feature film on the screen, it's understandable that many competitors thought they had heard the last of Disney Studios. Disney knew that the challenges involved would be immense, though the reality proved even worse than he had imagined. All told, the final film required more than 160,000 individual paintings, and the animators produced more than two million images in the course of the project. Disney initially estimated the cost of the studio would be around $150,000 to $250,000, but before it was done, the film actually cost almost $1.5 million. Yet Disney understood that the worst thing he could do was rush his project, or try to do it cheaply. He began with the remarkable step of sending his animators, many of whom were newly hired for this project, to art classes to practice drawing human anatomy. One of Disney's regular animators spoke years later of the importance of the professional training they received from one of their instructors, Don Graham. He taught us things that were very important for animation, how to simplify our drawings how to cut out all the unnecessary hen-scratching amateurs have a habit of using. He showed us how to make a drawing look solid. He taught us about tension points, like a bent knee, and how the pant leg comes down from that knee, and how important the wrinkles from it are to describe form. I learned a hell of a lot from him. Meanwhile, Disney and his writers began plotting the movie. He wanted to animate the fairy tale of Snow White, he told them. The story had been previously considered for a subject of one of their famous silly symphonies, but Disney had decided to hold back the idea for a longer feature. In particular, he thought the Seven Dwarves had enormous comic potential, and they were soon added to the film's title, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Compared to the intricate plotting of a modern-day Disney Studios movie like Frozen, Disney's early approach to features was more improvisational, 
He tended, understandably, to view the features as composed of strung-together shorts. The plots of Snow White, 1937, or Bambi, 1942, could be written out on a napkin without leaving much out, and Fantasia, 1940, was a literal anthology. Instead of working from a top-down outline, then, Disney let the story grow in a bottom-up fashion, allowing the film to grow out of various gags, bits, and scenes. At one point, he offered his writers five dollars for each gag they generated. Both writers and animators were required to watch scenes from the films of slapstick genius Charlie Chaplin on a daily basis, both in regular speed and slow motion, in hopes that they would absorb the flavor of Chaplin's comedy.